everybody, the con artists here. We're here to talk about our rolling review choice for winter of 2022, which was Tokyo 24 Coup. Um, this had a really great first episode, and uh, <laughs> we'll take it from there, I guess. So, Scott, why don't you tell us what the show's about? Sure. So, like, uh, as it opens, it's basically there's there's three guys, uh, whatever, RGB, like the main characters, who are these three boys that all have different abilities. One of them's good at physical stuff. One of them's good at, I guess, hacking. And one of them is good at being an authority figure, which seems like a weird one, but okay. He's like, you know, kind of police themed. And um, they're childhood friends, but they've drifted apart after the death of like the this girl that they all really liked and like grew up with. Uh, and then suddenly they get a phone call from her that also turns them like, like enhances their physical abilities. And she presents to them a trolley dilemma and they use their abilities to overcome it and that's sort of like the initial pitch of the first episode there's going to be these problems and these three characters will like their interactions will determine the outcome uh of the plot which as far as an initial pitch goes is a pretty good initial pitch uh the sort of the overarching thing is that there is a imaginary 24th district of tokyo uh, or I guess the idea is that it's going to be incorporated into Tokyo as long as it's sufficiently, I don't know, like good enough to get into Tokyo, whatever that means. The conditions are never really clear. And so that that's pending in the show's timeline. And a lot of characters' decisions are driven by the fact that this upcoming integration is happening. Uh, and so as, as Sue had mentioned, the first episode is really good. It's good enough to basically be a short movie. Uh, and it is 40, 45 minutes long, like it's a double length episode. So it practically is a short movie. Um, like it's the animation's really great. It has an interesting visual style where when characters are doing something particularly of note, it'll sort of like gray out the rest of the screen and flash into what they're doing, like like zoom in on it basically. And it was kind of a neat way to do it. Uh, and they work together to fix a trolley dilemma where no one ends up getting killed and uh it's really dramatic and awesome and then the second episode and all the rest of the episodes happen <laughs> like i would say that's like the pro the first episode's great go ahead and watch it the con is like literally everything else like this is another is of the last witch for those who have been like along with us long enough to remember that like the show sort of begins to go downhill and then never stops just to add to like, that joke really quick, Scott, there is actually a corgi in this show, so it, like, super chains to Izetta. <laughs> it's, like, it's perfect. It's Mari has a sequel. little corgi. Oh, it's true, that cute little dog that never shows up again. I think it's a corgi. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think so. It, it's No, it's you know, no, it's not. Adjacent. It's got the floppy ear. No, it's not. All right. In my head, it, it could be a corgi. Let's go with that. could be a corgi mix. Yeah, yeah. Could, let's go with that. Nice, Brendan. Nice save. It's certainly... It's nice another save. show with a great premise and a cute dog that is let down almost <laughs> immediately by everything else. Yeah, because, like... I think the the core problem for me is that the show didn't have any idea what it's about. Like the boys are going to be superheroes and solve trolley dilemmas. No, like they never again do that. There are more trolley dilemmas, but like they don't solve them and there's only like two of them and it, it ends up not being a big thing. Okay. Koki and Ran, the, the two guys that aren't the, the physical guy are going to use their or various organizations. Cause like Ran is in this sort of countercultural graffiti group, and Koki uh, becomes part of the police force. They're going to use those organizations to do something. No, that doesn't happen. Like, nothing they do really makes a big difference. Okay, maybe there'll be a complicated romance angle, because there's a whole episode about this girl, Mari, 
who they grew up with and isn't dead, and her feelings about how all the boys seem to still be pining for the dead girl, Asumi. Uh, so maybe there'll be this complicated romance story. No, there isn't. Uh, all right, we're going to explore some big themes like security versus personal freedom. Nah, we'll just kind of drop that on the ground after one episode. Maybe boobs help you make bread. Maybe there's the time that having that like boobs help you make bread or big pecs help you make bread or you got to grope the bread the right way. Like maybe we'll explore poverty and how having limited options for social mobility leads to unrest. Not for more than half an episode, we won't. Uh, how about cell phones and pervasive collection of personal data? Nah, not for, again, more than half an episode. Maybe gentrification and forced urban renewal? Nah, we'll abandon that as well. Every idea the show has ever had is discarded stillborn, but not after wasting a lot of time. By the end of the show, I couldn't tell you what its theme was other than a disappointing mess. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't know if you guys felt the same, but like that was my biggest takeaway. No, I, I 100% agree. That was the overriding feeling that I got throughout it. I, you know, I held out hope that it might uh, come around, uh, especially when uh, they did sort of kick off these protests. And, you know, now there's like confrontations between the police and not just that kind of counterculture group that you were talking about before, but like the general population of the lower income part of town. Uh, but again, it all of it becomes window dressing. The question isn't, hey, we have this system that is capable of predicting accidents and crimes before they happen due to, like, this massive network of surveillance combined with AI. Like, is that ethical? How far can we push this? What if someone is manipulating it for their own ends? There's a ton of really interesting questions with this, but they aren't really interested in asking them. Instead, as I think I pointed out in one of my reviews, the question they seem to ask is, what if there was a ghost inside of our AI and it was going crazy? Right, like, that's where you want to go with this? Okay. Like, the least interesting the least interesting direction? I mean, I suppose there are there is an interesting question to be asked there, but they also wrap that up in a very big anticlimax, too. It's yeah, just... honestly, that thing bugged me a lot, too. All right, so... They're the girl, yeah, the girl who's their childhood friend turns out to be the ghost in the system, right? And they're gonna go in there and 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 talk to her to figure out what they want to do. Because like some people say shut her down, some people say delete her, and the main character doesn't, you know, wants to somehow bring her back, even though according to the show, that's impossible. Yeah, she's she's literally a ghost in the machine. It's just like residual consciousness. It's like she her physical body is dead. She is gone. Right. But then like at the end, after talking about it, she's just like, okay, my feelings are resolved. I'm going to say goodbye and vanish into nothingness or whatever. And it's like, what is this sending off like a restless spirit? The whole problem here is that they're running electricity through a brain and it's forming a fragmented consciousness. That's not like, we're not stopping that part. Like, you, how do you just get to decide that your consciousness goes away? The whole problem here is you're being forced to be conscious again. Nash, we're going to treat her like she's a ghost. It's fine. Also, she was turning into a tree or like there was feathers happening. She merged into Laputa. It's cool, Brendan. Yeah. Let it happen. She, yeah, she sort of had like feathers sprouting from her body because she's a digital existence now. So she can right. recover. Which, she which progressed through the series, too, because with like I think of the initial episodes, her like ghosts, when they actually showed the inside of the computer, it was like more humanoid and it got weirder and weirder as time went on. Yeah. Was that supposed to mean something? Who's to say? <laughs> Yeah, I think you guys have done a great job of just covering 
all the the parts. It it had it, it felt like this jigsaw puzzle that someone had like thrown on the ground. And while sifting through it, I could find little pieces where I was like, this looks kind of interesting. Let me try and find the pieces that connect to it. And then there were none or there were like one and a half. And and I could never form a complete puzzle. Uh, The show really has no aim and it doesn't have something strong to say about the idea of like having a surveillance state or the idea of, you know, how we kind of use data to manipulate human perception of very, very large scale problems, right? Like poverty and, and urbanization. And it's, it, it doesn't do anything with those, those items. Uh, it just, just leaves them to languish while it just spins its, its wheels. Like even the trolley problems become so dumb at a certain point. It's just like, well, like they just start inventing nonsense. That's, like, uh, there's a tornado that's going to form in five seconds, and, you know, it's going to kill off everybody at the, the music festival, or it's going to, you know, do this other thing. And I think it, it it wanted desperately to have, like, Shu, the, the blue-haired boy, as, as, like, this middle ground between two very hard extremes, which is a premise for, you know, that works from us as a, with a fundamental understanding. And I think especially in today's political climate, talking about things like, you know, using people's privacy to manipulate certain things like ads or, or change the flow of culture are, are very big, interesting topics. And even things like, I know you guys didn't like the ghost in the machine, but right, the idea of autonomous cars, like I work for a company that makes test and measurement equipment and automotive is a huge industry like pushing that boundary of of self-driving cars is huge and people invest a lot of money into that so kind of trying to understand this idea of how how far can we push automation before we crash into that wall of it's simply not human and do we need a human to jump the barrier right to to get us there uh so i i think all these concepts could have been interesting but they don't fit together in any logical way they are very poorly executed the animation gets ugly after a while oh man like the d squad comes in after a while and it just starts like throwing any sort of paint it can at the wall in this desperate attempt to once again like look kind of legit like oh we're gonna have like political unrest because the system is so damaged to the point that it's like rounding up all the poor, marking them as terrorists so that they can't vote out the Kanai system so that the police state will absolutely take effect. And you're like, okay, I mean, that's kind of interesting, but you're like two episodes to the end. You can't do this now. <laughs> and, and again, that's being, that's being done by the system borking itself. It's not like, it's not the actual danger, which is the people behind the system manipulating it to designate people that they you know, that they find politically, you know, opposed to them as dangerous. It doesn't, it isn't about, it isn't about the people in power using this system for negative ends because that when it's in its early stages and it's just like, oh, we know that there's going to be some kind of an accident here sometime today. So they send a bunch of people to scope out the area and it's like, oh crap, there was a traffic accident. We immediately have EMTs on staff. Like that is like a net benefit to society there's visible impact that is positive for everyone and 
but then they start bringing in, like you said, like these political, uh, these political things where it's like, okay, we can now have this shanty town in, in this part of the town that is way poorer. It's where like a lot of people who, you know, don't have, don't have work or don't make ends meet or are, you know, addicted to drugs or various other things are stuck. And there never seems to be any push from anyone, even the people who are from there and have the biggest stake in it, to actually change their their situation, to give them, you know, better options. It's all like, oh, we need to give these people freedom, or we need to bring these people in line, or we need to expand surveillance, or we need to keep surveillance out. It's never, hey, maybe some of these people just want a better place to live. Maybe you could be spending all of the billions and billions of yen you are spending on this crazy system to actually, like, help them rebuild their, rebuild their neighborhood. Maybe that would have a, a significant impact on crime and drug use. You ever think about that? No, I would rather have my crazy ghost machine. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things for me, too, is that all these plot lines I mentioned and all some of this stuff, nothing ever gets resolved, and there's also no consequences for anything. Oh my gosh, except, yes. Except the one time when Kaba gets killed early on, which again, was still in the part where the show was beginning to go downhill and had some impact. But like, for instance, Shuda, the main boy, is basically a terrorist after he attacks this cruise ship, and then nothing ever comes of it. Howard mm -hmm. Winner, the guy who owns the cruise ship, has this plan to bulldoze the shantytown to build a large casino, and he's been, like, manipulating the mayor, or, like, he and the mayor are sort of, like, in manipulating cahoots, each yeah. other to get that. That never goes anywhere. The existence of Shantytown, like Dan's been saying, and the plight of those who live there is not resolved by the end. And yet somehow, despite having pitched street battles with Molotov cocktails and the near total collapse of civil society, at the end of the show, they're still integrated into Tokyo as the 24th Ward. Right, which so Which is ostensibly the, the whole setting. So what was the point? Like, if you can have a, like, a, a crime-riddled, like, basically war-torn area and be like, oh yeah, no, we're bringing that in then why was everyone trying to be on their best behavior to get into Tokyo? So, like, yeah, this, I mean, ultimately the show was just bad. Brendan, if you have nothing to say, I need I need to end with the reason the show exists. Two things. One, the guy's cowboy outfit in the flashback episode. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, it's so bananas. <laughs> right, yeah, that was amazing. And the part where he Through licked the whole a paint opener, can I kept being like, where is the cowboy guy? <laughs> There he was. There he was. Oh, and, yeah, the pink can. The Yikes. part where he yeah, licks guy, a pink and, and can then... like it's a knife, and you're like, that doesn't, what? Stop. <laughs> Stop that. That's unsanitary. He's like licking the paint can, and I was like, oh, gosh, why? Maybe it wasn't just your accident that gave you brain damage. You ever think about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't eat that yeah. stuff, friend. You can't eat it. And what was number two, Brennan? Uh, second favorite is when that guy was talking to uh, uh, Ron, and he was he was describing the process by which he was going to like alter uh the kanai system referendum by like stoking flashpoints uh in the the sort of like the culture like war ish thing that's going on and ron's like oh i think i've heard about that happening overseas and i was like wow y'all really just took a huge pot shot at the <laughs> like the russian interference in the american elections that yeah that's right that's right that was throw that line, line in there and i was like Whoo. it's like it went by pretty quickly but it was like yikes thanks guys spicy <laughs> good to know somebody's paying attention <laughs>
All right. Uh, so now you guys need to know why this show exists. My husband okay. figured it out and I'm I need ready. to give him I'm super ready. credit. So Please. remember the episode where the best character ever, Shuta's dad, goes to Paris? Yes. So Shuta the guy is a belonged in a better show. Yes. So listen, I think there's a crossover. Hap, listen to me. So Shuta is the product of the Japanese mom and the French dad. And they work okay. at a bakery. Yeah, Guys, yeah. this show is a secret crossover to Ladybug and Cat Noir. <gasps> and he goes over to France because he's part of Ladybug and Cat Noir. And he's crossing dimensions in there. So that's why the show yes. exists, to give us that secret crossover. Yes. So that we can... It all makes so much sense. It all makes so much sense. So you're welcome. My husband's a genius. And Ladybug and Cat Noir. Like... Yeah. We'll just hype that show instead. Don't watch Tokyo 24. It's bad. Oh my God. Don't want... Maybe... You know what? Just watch the first 45 minute episode and be like, that was a nice movie. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that and be like, that was a cool idea. And then just move on with yourself. Yeah. Ugh. God, do we have anything else to say about it? I don't. I mean, not much. Just don't, don't do it. No, like, it's straight up bad. And like, yeah. the crazy thing is, yeah, they ran out of budget real bad towards the end and had two delayed episodes and one clip show. But even if they'd had a budget, I don't think it would have been good because they didn't have a writer. Just like, to toss it out there, so let's let's just all think about Scott's words really quick. Ran out of budget and had the last couple episodes as a clip show. The show was made by Cloverworks. I'm just gonna let that drop. Done. Right done, there. Done. Perhaps it is too often that their, good... their ambition exceeds their reach. Oh, for sure. They spent all of the rest of their budget on like the incredible f- piano dance scene in Akebi's uh, finale. Also, wasn't oh, Cloverworks nice. doing My Dress Up Darling? True. So you know all the budget Knocked went in. That, that's that's where the A team was. That's yeah, the A team was on that. They were stretched. This this is yeah, studio stretched too thin. Cloverworks this take is a the, break. Yeah, and it's not just them. I mean, like. Honestly, if there is a point to be had from all of this, it's the fact that these production houses are just stretching themselves so much to, you know, produce all of this content. And it's just grinding through people and resulting in these half-baked projects. Yeah, sometimes you get really good stuff out of it, but imagine how much more of that you would get, how much higher the overall level of quality would be on balance if these shows weren't, you know, having to be made alongside other stuff that's just there to fill out a balance sheet or to, you know, fulfill some kind of contractual obligation. I know that that's going to exist no matter what, but like this show with enough care could have been good. And imagine how much better any of those other shows could have been if they didn't, you know, if their studio wasn't saddled with also dedicating time and resources to this stuff that they obviously didn't care as much about. Yeah, it's so tricky because, like, obviously one of the problems is if you pour all your money into one thing and it fails, like, you you go under. So you want to yeah, have as absolutely. many projects as you can to spread the risk and maybe one of them turns out to be a hit and pays for the losers. I don't know if there's a way away from that model, like, but it Not is in the a current environment, that, I don't think, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, I think the environment just... would have to change pretty dramatically, but I, I completely agree with Dan. Like, I'm always on team quality over quantity. I understand it's very difficult, especially in the creative fields, but it's it's something that, you know, to stop burning these poor people out and producing these kinds of things, I... Everyone needs a Magistus. Yes. Yeah, like it, turns out, it turns out everyone needs a Magistus and everyone needs a um, Thug Bolina. Oh my gosh, yes. Everyone needs a Thug Bellina. So everyone, I think, should just take it easy. Like, get a chicken with a handgun. 
<laughs> you know, just just relax and and uh, watch Miss Kuritsu at the uh, Monster Development Department instead of Tokyo Twenty Four. Yes. In case you have not, uh, in case you have not followed up on our end of core uh, cast, which we also recorded today, and you're wondering who in the heck we're talking about right ah, now. Good point. Good times. All right. Well, I think that's all she wrote. Short and sweet. Yep. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, well, uh, hopefully we pick better next time, guys. Yeah, right. Good luck. Everybody. Indeed. We'll pick something better. Bye. Okay.